Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Downey, UP is Sean Fitz. Whether you're listening where you find your podcast or watching us on our YouTube channel, thanks as always for joining us. We got a lot to get to. Sean, you and I, last episode earlier this week, did a fantastic job of lowering expectations for Penn State going into National Signing Day. Turns out they come away with two signees. We're going to hear from one of them on this episode. The other was a bit of a signing day surprise. Yeah, yeah, we can say it. I was I was loud wrong in that one. Um, you know, laying out all the reasons that the Washington kid would pick Washington. Um, back up to Monday, I talked to a source that says it's really easy for him to go to Washington. The expectations were not high. Then Tuesday night, as you saw, some things uh, got in motion, and we got on the site. Steve Wiltfong first to the punch um, with the crystal ball for Vega Ione. Uh, and yeah, we, we followed up and, uh, Penn state with two signees, as you said, so, uh, more productive, more active signing day than usual, or than, than we expected to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll take it that way. We'll take it that way over, over the other way anytime. <laughs> and remember how we were wondering, okay, James Franklin has a press conference at 1130, uh, Vegas announcing at 1145 Eastern time. How's this going to work? Does that kind of dispel any notion that he's coming on board? Franklin took some time in the middle of his press conference and said, I can sit, tell you now, uh, Vega Ione, officially a member of this recruiting class, and then he discussed a lot about him. We'll talk about Vega in a moment because he's a big pickup physically, literally, but also talking about this offensive line class and what they've been looking to do, uh, losing Andre Roy, bringing him on board, still working the transfer portal. A lot to look at, Sean, but just big picture here with those two signees on board. Penn State finishes Wednesday with 25 players in its 2022 recruiting class, about 19 months in the making since receiver Caden Saunders hopped on board and became that first commitment in July 2020, finishing at number six in national rankings per the composite, number two in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. Eleven different states are represented in this Penn State recruiting class as you go through it. Three five stars, nine of the nine other nine total inside the top 24/7. Looking at just composite rankings alone, so the industry average. 16 of the 25 commitments, Sean, in at least four-star territory with a 90.8 signee average. And based on the composite ratings, this is matching the number one class that Franklin has signed with Penn State. He also hit number six in those composite rankings in 2018. Um, so, look, we talked about it coming off of a, an 11-11 stretch for your program, a 7-6 and six season. You kept it intact. You put a, you know, get get the extra cherry on top here. You bring Tyrese Mills on board. And that's who we're going to hear from on this show, the safety at a Lackawanna College. And he kind of let the dust settle a little bit here on Thursday afternoon as we record. And they are situated very well compared to where they were coming off the field in Tampa on January 1st. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a very balanced class. You look uh, at several positions that they needed to fill. Um, you're looking at wide receiver and, and places like that. They, they they did a really good job with that, and they think they have some promising players there. Um, now it's all about development. It's all about getting those guys on campus. It's all about getting those guys uh, you know, to be the most productive versions of themselves. We'll see what happens. Our guest here, Tyrese Mills, is going to join us here in a second, but he was the guy that we were watching coming in that we expected to sign, um, did not sign back in December. James Franklin, he said he can 
play all three safety spots. We're going to ask him about that here in a second. But uh, you've got the the two typical safety spots that we've seen, and then you've got the Sam linebacker spot, which you know it's six foot and a half inch. You know he's over six foot, right around two hundred pounds. Kind of fits that mold for a guy that you could throw out there and play the Sam or whatever Manny Diaz is going to call it in his new uh, in his new defense. But yeah, I think it's a productive pickup. Penn State's had a ton of success with Lackawanna safeties, so no pressure, Tyrese. But this is a uh, you know the third in, in a very strong line so far yeah and our loyal listeners the Lions 24 7 podcast remember when Tyrese Mills came on board and, and came on board the podcast soon after I think it was early June late May we, we got a good impression of him back then let's do it again now that he is officially signed sealed and delivered to this Nittany Lions class out of Lackawanna College Tyrese Mills joins us again you see the Penn State flag there in the backdrop if you're watching on YouTube um, Tyrese first off congratulations uh, I know this was a little bit later than you wanted it to be, but you got to the finish line. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you all for having me. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we had a fun time talking to you uh, after you committed uh, before last summer, but different situation now. You're finished with your junior college career, and now you're ready to start one with the Nittany Lions. Uh, what did Wednesday mean to you as that was announced around 1030 in the morning that you were officially going to be a Penn State Nittany Lion? It meant the world to me, like. Not, not only to me, to my family and everything, like, because I go back from trying to get this in high school, trying to, trying to get get to where I'm at now, and from high school coming out of high school, so it meant the world to me. Because I, when I said it, when I left high school, I'm going to do this, and I, I got it done. So it's like it's it's a big accomplishment, you know. Because I was, and I was supposed to sign out of high school. Unfortunately, I had to take the JUCO route, but everything happened for a reason. Tyrese, what's the last couple of months been like? Because obviously, you know, most of that class signed in December. You, you know, they pushed you back to, to February. What's this process been like? What have you had to accomplish over the last couple of months? Yeah, it, it, I can't even tell you. It been stressful. It would have been a little stressful because I was a little down. I ain't signed in December. But, you know, I had to pick myself up. I had to um, finish classes. I was strong. Just do what I got to do. Handle my part. And I fly. I got that done. I, I still got to finish strong. So it ain't, you know, that it's just, it just been a little stressful. But I got through it. Who helped keep you on track maybe in some of those lower moments for you in December, January? And how much was the Penn State staff involved in making sure you got to this point and you guys finished the process? Yes, yeah, sir. Dion, I say Dion, Coach Dex. I had a lot of people in my area. You know, I, when I get frustrated, you know, I, I call I call and tell them, they listen, you know, like Dion here, listen to me. I tell them how I feel. Hey, keep me up, like keep my head on the right place. You know, and, and back home, my D-back trainer, Coach Nye, he always tell me the right things. And everything so and that's just that's basically it my family of course so Dion you didn't want to have that conversation Dion. with Dion yeah sorry you yeah. didn't want to have that conversation with Dion where you had to go the other way right yeah <laughs> <laughs> just just to make sure everyone understands Dion Barnes of course an assistant with the Penn State defensive staff used to be the defensive coordinator at Northeast High School in Philadelphia where he was once a star and uh, he coached Tyrese back then Tyrese I think I remember this story correctly from when we spoke in the spring um but he took you to your first college, you know, showcase event. He was the guy who was really in your ear about this is something you could pursue, a power five, an FBS level career. And now here you are with him being the point man for Penn State in your recruitment. How special was the process to have someone you trust like Dion in your corner? It was special because I know off off like off like bottom line, I got I know I got somebody that had my back, you know. This because we go back before all this, you know what I'm saying? He, like from day one, he told me like you could be a special player he, he been backing me the whole time took me out to my first college visit he told me you can be this so and he showed it like from 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 coming out of high school until now he showed like he still got my back so 
I appreciate Dion for that. You've got a unique situation. You were, um, you know, a freshman in the year that basically got wiped out. Then you had last year. Um, you know, what what do you think you've accomplished as a junior college player? How far have you come from the guy that played on that Northeast defense, fantastic Northeast defense? But how far have you come as a player? And how do you see yourself transitioning to the next level um, as you arrive? Uh, I guess you're going to arrive in May or or the next summer or whenever it may be. How do you see yourself making that transition? Yeah, I think I think. The junior college, it just taught me a lot. Like the like, I focus more. You know, I become a smarter player. You know, because like, as a lot of guys that's good, you in high school you can run around. You know, be an athlete. But and when me being in junior college, I I, I got I like the mindset. I changed my mindset. You know, like I focus more. You know, I take I take a lot of things more serious. Like I don't play around with a lot of things. You know, so even when it comes to off the field, you know, like it, it taught me a lot. And even on the field, it taught me a lot because um I, I focus more. You know. I um think I can think more, you know. I just, I just, I'm just focused, and and that helped me going into the next level at Penn State. So, Tyrese, you finished the fall season uh, with 35 tackles, three and a half of those for loss, five pass breakups, three interceptions, a forced fumble, a sack. Uh, it was not a huge season. Um, I think you played seven games, but you didn't need to get into the autumn season to get that Penn State offer. You were out in the field last spring. Lackawanna, of course, postponed the 2020 season. In March, you get on there, you play one game, and that's all it took to get the offer. What was that moment like for you? I know we discussed it earlier, but now that you've had more time to look back at that offer coming your way, how significant was it that it required one game? Yeah, because coming out of high school, like pretty much Dion, he coached me. You know, like he 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 was he a big part of like who I am now. So he pretty much knew what I can do. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes from like a guy that produced at Penn State, like he did when he got him vouching for me. You know, it was like it wasn't kind of hard because I all I really had to do was show what I could do on the next level on with a, on a college standpoint, like get on the college field with guys that's been here, you know, and show what I, that I can still make the same plays I made in high school. So that was basically that. James compared you to Marcus Allen yesterday. Said you're you're best when you're filling against the run. Um, a couple different spots in Penn State's defense you could you could probably fit. But where do you see yourself fitting in? And uh, what I don't know if you talked to Manny Diaz about this when in his new defense or anything like that. But where do you see yourself fitting in 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 his plans? I mean, I I feel like I can fit in like they like they said uh, wherever they need me to play. You know, I feel like I can fit in wherever they need me to play. Either whether it's the same linebacker. Um, the safety up top or the other safety they got. I feel like I um, fit in wherever they need me to play at. Because I've, been, I've been playing like – say what? Tyrese, we got uh, we got the measurements for you from Penn State yesterday when they put out your signing day release. They have six foot one, 195 pounds. Is that is that where you're at right now? No, I'm actually 203. Okay, so so above the 200-pound mark um, and, and – I think there are questions. I mean, how you're going to fit in with this defensive scheme. I think you talked about having a linebacker mentality when we had you on last year. Um, how exactly would you describe your playing style, um, regardless of where you're going to end up on the field from a positional standpoint? It just just tackle. I like to go to the ball. Wherever the ball is, that's where I'm at. You know, I like to make big hits, you know. So whether that's coming from at the linebacker spot or the free safety spot, you know, it's like, I like just tackle, you know, get forced fumbles, you know, big because you could change the game just by a big hit, you know what I'm saying? So I like I like to just 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 hit, you know. That uh, that bar for Lackawanna safeties got a little bit higher this year with the way that Jair played, uh, especially down the stretch um, with, with with Brisker leaving with with Brown there. Um, 
I'm not going to say how much pressure do you feel to come in that line, but the, there's certainly some expectations based on who has come before you. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's pressure, you know. I've been playing this all my life. I wouldn't say it's pressure, you know. I just say it's just like the expectations. I just got to live up to them, you know. Like, I never like a challenge ain't enough. I could, I go get in there and just show show what I can do. I know I can show, I got a lot of talent I, I could show. So I, I really think it's not like, it's no pressure. Those guys balled out in a big way this past season. Really impressive safety tandem. Brisker, of course, an, an All-American recognition. Jair Brown was a turnover machine. Um, do you have any kind of relationship with those guys? I know you didn't necessarily spend time on the, the junior college roster with them, but because of your shared background, have they reached out? Have you reached out? You know, what, what's kind of the, the relationship there? Yeah, I mean – um, you know, Jaquan, he be doing his little thing. He um, got to get ready for the draft. Me and him had a couple conversations with me, me going up there. But, Ted, you know, I, every time I go up there, I like him with Ted. We have a good conversation, you know. He tell me the ins and outs. You know, he he makes sure he give me a lot of game about about tra the transition from Juco to uh, the Penn State. So, uh, we always have a good conversation. And, like, actually, one of his homies that, that go here, they were from the same city. So, like, they always used to be on the phone in the, in the dorms and everything. I would be around, see him on the phone and chop it up with Tay a little bit. So, Tyrese, going to ask you for two scouting reports here, two guys that you know really, really well. J.B. Nelson's already on campus, uh, the offensive lineman uh, from, from Lackawanna, from the Pittsburgh area. Um, what does he bring to the table? And then also Ken Talley, another Northeast guy that you spent some time around. What's Penn State getting in, in your future teammates, and, and how do you, I guess, critique their games? How do you, how do you uh, expect their careers to sort of start? Yeah, J.B., I feel like he can go and make – uh, a big impact because you know JB like for me playing with him like he got that mindset the mentality on the field that he want to win you know what I'm saying so like he don't play around when it come in the game and practice you know he trying to win so he going to give his all 100% the whole time that's the thing about JB he always go hard and he, he always locked in you know what I'm saying Ken that's another that's another dog you know what I'm saying he he he, he gonna chase the play he want to make a play so it's like you it's time when you need that play I feel like Ken he gonna be one of them guys that's gonna step up and make that play for him for us when we need it. Tyrese, do you know when you are set to enroll at Penn State? Yes, I'm set to enroll in June. Okay, June. so you've got uh, about four months between now and then. What's on that priority list for you to accomplish, to get done, to make sure you're in the best position possible to hit the ground running here in Happy Valley? So basically up here right now, you know, I'm doing classes and right at the class, I'm hitting the weight room, I'm working out extra double you know i'm jogging so like now i'm just gonna make sure when i get there i'm i'm already like because i know i'm coming in late so when i get there i know like, i'm already like the same shape as these guys I, I can hit the ground running right with them you know what i'm saying in, in terms of speed you talk about uh you know playing linebacker or playing safety um speed gonna be an asset wherever you are do you have any idea kind of where that 40 yard dash time is for you at this stage of your development I, I I could clock in four or five, you know. I I, I know for sure I, I need a lot of work in the forty. You know, I haven't really run it a lot, but I think once I get the technique and part down about down about the forty, I got the speed naturally. So I think once I I just need the technique and everything about the forty, and I think I clock four or five easy. Guys, wherever you out there, if you get lower, you know. Sorry about that, Harris. You cut out for you a second, it? but I was. Yes, yeah, so sorry about that. You cut out for a moment on our end, but guys tend to show up here and get faster in the 40-yard dash as we see in NFL yeah, combines what, I, for Penn State. So I said I heard Saquon came in and ran a four six, you know, and he came out. You see how fast he go. So you know I I I, I 
I trust the process of me getting there. They're going to give me the best, like bring the best out of me. And Tyrese, when you kind of take a look at what awaits you at Penn State, the safety room is an interesting spot because Brisker is off to the next level. Of course, Tig Brown uh, is back, and that's a big thing. But um, the numbers are a little limited right now because of some of the transfers that have happened. You're coming in. There's going to be some freshmen coming in between now and June. Um, do you feel like you are going to be on a path to potentially make an impact from game one this 2022 season? Um, I think so. I think so. If I'm like, it's, it all start with me, I think, you know what I mean? If I um, do what I got to do up here with the weight room, speed training and everything, I feel as though when I step foot on campus, I can, I can make, I can make an impact to where they see that I should, I should, I should be on the field with the starters, you know what I mean? Day one. So I feel as though I can, I can make that impact. And then a lot of people were excited to see Penn State handle business. A lot of Pennsylvania prospects are in this class. It was a good year for the state. Uh, you're not out of the high school ranks, but a couple years removed from being in Philadelphia high school scene. You, Keon Wiley, uh, as mentioned, Ken Talley out of Philadelphia. Deion Barnes is there. What kind of a move can Penn State make in Philadelphia on the recruiting trail? And, and how do you think that can benefit the program here long term? It benefit a lot, you know, because – like a lot of the, you get the best players that in the city, you know, from Philadelphia. It's a lot of great players, you know. It can benefit a lot because they come, they they come. We can already connect, you know. what I'm saying, as soon as we step foot on the field, it's already that connection. You know, on defense, it's all about a connection. You gotta have that connection, you know. what I'm saying, so if everybody like whether it's like three Philly guys on the starting defense, that right there, that's a big, that's a big thing for a defense because that's that's a good connection. You know, every everything else just gonna fall in line. Last one here for you, Tyrese, and we do appreciate the time here on a busy week, but uh, you got a lot of Nittany Lions fans listening right now. They're just starting to get to know you. They hope to get you to know you a lot better in the coming years, but what's your message uh, about what you want to accomplish here in the next few years as a Nittany Lion and kind of what you're all about as entering this community? You know, I'm trying to be the, I'm trying to be the next safety that come out of there. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the best safety that come out of there. You know what I mean? I'm trying to just get in there and make a – a huge impact. I want to be a big part of the team, you know, like, so I want to be a, like a big player of the team. Well, Tyrese, we wish you well. We'll see you up here soon. Uh, congratulations on getting it done here in the February signing day. Uh, and hey, keep up the good work there in Scranton and, and we'll see you soon here. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all. All right. Thanks, take care. So, Sean, obviously, this was one we were anticipating. You reported earlier in the week that Tyrese Mills was going to sign. There was some uncertainty about that in January, coming out of January. To get that done, you know, and, and kind of looking at what is at safety right now, is Jonathan Sutherland going to be at the same linebacker full time? Is he still going to split reps in, in two spots? Is Keaton Ellis and, and, and uh, Jalen Reed, are they going to take that next step forward? Of course, Jair Brown uh, seems like a guy that you can hang your hat on a bit at this point, but – Tyrese Mills is right. I mean, he comes here and he has his mind right and he's ready to compete physically. It, it, there's an opportunity there because I'm just I'm, I'm looking at the scholarship numbers, looking at the depth chart and safety is one to me where putting together the two deep at this stage of the calendar, it's pretty tricky and it's pretty thin. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, I mean, this is uh, without getting into Tyrese because he's not going to be here for the spring, but it's going to be huge for for Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis to sort of get back in there. I do think that Sutherland's going to be, uh, you know, a full time Sam guy. You know, they've got they've got a numbers issue there, and that's uh, something you know probably not going to be a portal spot for them. But I mean, it's an issue where you're kind of waiting on reinforcements to arrive. Of course, Mills is coming in. KJ Winston will be in next year. So, um, and, and you've got some other guys that can certainly come in and maybe. Put 
push for that. But yeah, it's going to be going to be very interesting, especially if if Jair Brown gets the uh, the veterans treatment in the spring, as as we think that he probably should. And I think that's that's one thing. You know, you would you would have loved to have seen what Tyrese Mills could do in the spring to push for that. Um, you, you're wondering, you know, what you're going to see out there. Are you going to see maybe Zaki Wheatley? get some reps over there in the spring. Some of those corners, you know, they've got decent numbers at corner to try and figure out what they're doing. So um, it's a, it's a spot where you kind of feel fine uh, long-term, but yeah, in the, in the short term, while the numbers being what they are, you do have some question marks there and there is certainly opportunity on the, if, if you want to flip it around and, and, and play the optimism side of it, there is certainly opportunity for those guys. And neither Jair Brown uh, nor Jaquan Brisker enrolled early, um, so they didn't have that head start. And, and of course, I, I think it's worth noting there's also some depth concern at the same linebacker spot. I mean, if we're going to toss his hat in, into the ring there and enter that conversation, if we're going to say Jonathan Sutherland's a guy there, maybe Jamari Bunn's a guy there, Curtis Jacobs, as we saw down in the Outback Bowl, moving inside and, and, and shifting into a new role. Um, that's the spot that we've mentioned, transfer portal. Can, can you address linebacker there? Is that an area? Um, but maybe it's not safety <laughs> that, that, that he comes in and makes an impact that 203 pounds, not necessarily ideal to be playing in the front seven there, but if you watch the film and, and you watch the way he was utilized in that Northeast defense a couple years ago with, with Deion Barnes played a lot up, up near the line of scrimmage. I think he plays his best ball near the line of scrimmage. And so I guess we probably got to make sure we note that at the same linebacker spot, there's also, uh, some unclarity right now. And I'm not sure that will get figured out between now and, and the blue white game in April. Yeah, it feels like the conversation we were having, you know, back in and during bowl practice is is where's the where are these numbers going to come from? Because you know, Abdul Carter is not a Sam. Uh, Ken Talley is is not a, a probably not a linebacker, but he's not a Sam. Um, so you got plenty of questions with those guys. Uh, you know, it, it it's I don't know where the numbers are going to come from. They'll replenish eventually, but is that going to be an issue? You know, uh, you know, when they get into August, things like that. Keon Wiley is the guy that I also forgot to mention there at linebacker. So yeah, that those back seven numbers are not ideal um you know passable right now but not ideal so um you're you're probably looking at jacobs at the wheel you're going to see uh tyler elston and kobe king battle and and the mike spot and you know really i think that that's the only spot uh you know the the, the will spot with curtis jacobs that's the only spot that you've got solidified right now so yeah plenty of questions uh how does button factor in is he ready to go um, so plenty of questions at linebacker, plenty of questions at safety, uh, reinforcements are on the way, but you know, for the, for the month and a half that we're going to talk about spring ball, I think it's going to be something that comes up probably quite frequently. And, and you've said this a few times before, but because of what happened in 2020 at, at all levels of football, uh, these guys are coming to campus after junior college with the ability to play three seasons over the course of four years. So normally you're getting a junior college player. You got two, two seasons to burn with him. Not the case right now. Um, so so we'll see what that uh, how that pans out in the upcoming years. As we've said, been a bit of a mixed bag with the Lackawanna college products. But at that safety position, uh, nothing mixed about it. It's been fantastic and, and a huge, huge boost for Penn State during recent years. But we knew about Tyrese Mills pretty well. Let's get back to the guy that we're still familiarizing ourselves with, Sean, a bit. Uh, Vega Ione, rough outcome, by the way, for the Washington Huskies, who had his commitment for six months last year. He's a guy that was in the home state. About half of the Pac-12 conference offered Vega by the time he took his first reps as a junior. Um, and, and yet, 
he's decided he's going to come to Central PA to play his football. Minnesota was a finalist. I had him on the table there. Stacy Collins, new special teams coordinator, outside linebackers coach, nickelbacks coach for Penn State, was at Boise State. There was familiarity there. He recruited him uh, on, the, on the West Coast there. Um, and, of course, Phil Troutwine went long distance, made the trip out to Washington, got to know the family a bit. Uh, he is one of nine siblings, so there's a lot of family to meet. James Franklin's going to follow up soon with the trip out to Washington, where he once lived. Um, but I'll tell you what, this was a scramble, and it says a lot about the reciprocated interest, trust, and you know, long-term plans that were very quickly uh, developed between Ione and this Penn State coaching staff. Yeah, that that's a that's a killer. Right? I mean, Washington. It, Brutal. It, I went on their board a couple of times um, and I just, I can't even imagine like covering that. Like this is, and and this is complete, you know, this, this story can changes, changes with complete hindsight because of what's already happened. But imagine Nate Bruce, you know, the week before signing day, flipping to, a, you know, UCLA or somebody across the country where he just visited once. I mean, the, our board would have been in shambles and, and, and the Washington board, I think it is there, but this is, it's an unbelievable outcome. I mean, and whether this kid pans out or not to get him on campus the week before signing day one time um, have a very limited relationship with him via Stacy Collins and Phil Troutwine not even get James Franklin in front of the parents um, you know at, at their home uh, there's, there's a lot going on there man and that that's one reason there was really no optimism um, on the Penn State side coming out of this but I mean they thought they thought they did really really well in the visit apparently they did because obviously the, the results are there they thought they did really well in the visit but it was just going to be a lot to overcome and and that was not the case. I mean, it's just pretty unbelievable outcome. Uh, you know, this is the fifth, I just closed the 15th cycle um, covering recruiting. And it's one of the more surprising things. Uh, you know, I got that phone call on Tuesday night saying he's going to go to Penn state. That's an unbelievable job by the staff to, to come in to replace Andre Roy, who they lost, you know, on signing day, but that was one of those ones that they were tracking the entire time to replace him with a guy like Vega Ione. And he's not a tackle. He's an interior guy, six, four, three thirty six, but apparently well-built. Um, yeah, that's just a pretty remarkable turnaround and we'll see how he develops in the long term. We'll see, you know, it's a long way from home. We'll see what happens with there, but to, to get that win on signing day, we mentioned Phil Troutwine seems to be recruiting with a little bit more uh, gusto as of late, not only in, in this class, but in the 2023 and eventually 2024 class. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's turned around because I don't think that's the, the case, but things are certainly uh, momentum is in his favor right now. Three commitments in three different cycles in a what five day span for Phil Troutwine in the offensive line room. You'll you'll take that. And, and this is one and that he, he wants a fourth and uh, coming out of the portal, but that's uh, yes. something to to deal with in February. So man, it's you mentioned just, it, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the surprise. Like once you get through the the stunning nature of how this all developed in in a you know a very short span for Penn State, you start to. To look at the actual prospect they are bringing in here, 336 pounds, as you said, James Franklin uh, says he was stunned by that because he carried it like 295 is the way Franklin described it when they had him on campus last weekend. Uh, Brandon Huffman did notice, did note um, for us up on lines247.com. And by the way, Brandon Huffman, one of the best in the industry and, and, and recruiting breakdowns and, and covering the whole nation, but he's based there in Washington. So this is a recruit that he got to know really well in the last couple of years and, and following this process. And he blew up uh, during the pandemic, according to, to Brandon, was 350 plus pounds when he got back on the football field for his junior year. Um, was blew not up in a the bad same way. Kind of, yeah. Right. Blew <laughs> up in a bad way. And it was not the same kind of prospect who blew up in a good way as a sophomore and got a bunch of Pac-12 offers. 
So he had kind of dug himself a bit of a hole. And, and I think a lot of us probably did in different ways because of the pandemic. Uh, and he had to get himself out of that. And it turns out, um, based on the film that we have seen produced in 2020 uh, in 2021 last fall, and obviously Penn State's persistent effort here down the stretch, he did a great job of, of kind of putting that pendulum back the other way. And now he comes to campus. James Franklin says they feel like physically he can come in and compete uh, for early opportunities. It's a lot to ask of any offensive lineman, especially a guy who's not enrolling early, uh, to come in and, and, and push for a significant role right away. But I'm looking at you know moving forward into 2023 and all that. This is a recruit that was not on the radar for me personally at all just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And now I'm looking at this Penn State recruiting class and what he might mean to the offensive line group. And it feels like this was maybe more substantial than just the, oh, my gosh, it was surprising, which, you know, that was the initial reaction. You start to let it sink in a little bit and you say, this guy could be really important for what they want to do with this offensive line here in the next 24 to 36 months. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think he's probably going to have to take a little bit of weight off, put it back on. And, and there's there's a lot of Steven Gonzalez here, just in terms of um, his build, his features, things that you know, things like that. And, and Steven Gonzalez was ended up being. I guess a three-year starter and he started part of that fourth year, uh, you know, as a redshirt freshman. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things. If he's got that natural strength that you think coming in with that body type um, you know, that the physicality that he showed on tape, I mean, there's, there's something to like there. And like I said, he's an interior prospect. He's, he's a little bit different than what you gave up when you lost Andre Roy. But, you know, I think, I think there's an argument to be made there. He's a little bit safer um, in terms of what, uh, what, what you've got as a, as a prospect in the long term. So very intrigued to see how this one plays out. Uh, you've got those two tackles and uh, you've got a tackle in Malik, Malik uh, McNeil. You've got a tackle slash swing guy in Drew Shelton. You've got an interior guy in Vega Ione. So kind of a complete, uh, complete three right there. In addition to JB Nelson, who's already on campus. So um, a lot to work with. Uh, we'll see how the next couple of years go, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he can be a substantial, I think he'd be a contributor. Uh, Brandon Huffman seemed to like him a lot, uh, you know, trust his opinion very much. So we've been in contact a lot the last couple of days. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's, uh, a lot to like, you put him in a phone booth, you see what happens, put him at guard and, and maybe he can maul some people. Brandon said, and I don't know, this, you know, maybe this is, uh, this is the perfect thing for him to say to an Indy Lions message board, but I certainly believe him. He says he was the top ranked three star out West. I mean, he, he was literally the next guy out of that four star territory when they kind of finalized these rankings of late. And he says, look, if he was out at the Polynesian Bowl, which he was on that roster and, and he was not able to make it out to the Polynesian Bowl, he says that if he had gone out there and, and done what they anticipated, Brandon says he's probably in a four-star status right now. Um, four-star, three-star, that stuff kind of matters right now on signing day as we're parsing through it. Won't matter at all when he gets to campus and starts competing. But I think the other notable thing here is, according to Huffman, really no history with strength and conditioning, um, certainly not like a private professional trainer. Some guys have that, you know, a guy like Landon Tangwall was training seemingly every day of the week throughout his high school career. Um, whereas this guy comes in with that kind of size and uh, certainly looks like he has an angry manner, manner to him on the football field. You pair that with what you're going to get in this environment at Penn State. I'm really curious to see what he looks like coming out the other side, let's say entering spring ball of 2023, because we've seen kids who come in and maybe didn't have that background. They're on campus for 10, 12 months. All of a sudden they look like grown men instead of high school kids. 
Yeah, and and I think you're going to get that, especially with this group uh, of offensive linemen. Is I think I think JB Nelson needs a year. Um, you know, with coming out of JUCO, it's really tough to uh, um, you know pin down where he's at in his physical development. Even though he's he's pretty huge, Malik McNeil we know is huge, and we know is a is a big time project to tackle. Drew Shelton's going to have to go the other way and build it up the right way. And then you've got Ione, who's 330 pounds, and you're going to have to find out what his best uh, physical stature is, whatever his best body type is. So there's a lot of that in this class. And I don't really see anybody coming in and upsetting the wagon uh, or doing anything to where they could push for immediate playing time. But from a physical standpoint, you've got length, you've got uh, size, you've got, of course, Malik McNeil is six, eight plus. I mean, you've got huge size there. So um, a lot to, uh, a lot of promising traits. I'll say this, and and you got to develop them. You got to get them on campus and and figure out how to uh, how to turn them into uh, guys that can push guys around. Um, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, you've got uh, you got more bodies to work with, and really excited to see what Eoni's development looks like in the next couple of years. Four man recruiting class, as you said, still the transfer portal looms, and that's where you look in terms of an impact player for 2022. And, and this offensive line needs some impact players here. Um, so we'll keep tabs on that. But uh, an unexpected one, certainly, if you listen to the podcast on Tuesday, uh, as Penn State makes it 25 signees, uh, a bunch on this class, full breakdown of all 25 signees up on lines247.com uh, with a lot more going on up there related to 2023, 2024 recruits. As, the recruiting trail rolls on. One signing day ends, and then the next class steps up into the spotlight and official visits just around the corner, it seems. Sean, um, one other note here in the offensive line room, uh, not necessarily going to be impactful on the field, but a story worth telling here. Blake Zalar, a walk-on member of the offensive line, uh, got into one game last year, played some center against Rutgers, uh, was a valuable member of the, of the scout team. He has medically retired. He says he's had three surgeries in the course of a year. No details there, but said it's been a dream come true, but he understands it's time to step away. And what's cool here is he's going to be an undergraduate assistant while finishing his degree, working with Phil Troutwine, specifically with that center position. A fantastic opportunity for him. Um, but even though he's a walk-on, it's been kind of an exodus from the interior. Like a lot of guys who were backups or emergency players are no longer there. And you start to say, okay, the numbers got to, <laughs> got to come together here in the interior. Zalar, not saying he was counted on as any kind of too deep situation. Uh, but a guy who is stepping away has a great opportunity and kind of reinforces that we got a ways to go in figuring out what the first, second, third team might look like across that offensive interior. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that you could count on to throw in there as a second or third team guy playing the spring game and things like that. They liked him a lot, you know, just uh, yeah. a guy that uh, really, you know, had a lot of fans in that building and, you know, just not going to be, he's not six, four, he's not 300 pounds. You know, he's not that, that guy that's going to blow you away physically is, is a walk on and, and you got some, some value. And I, I will say, you know, the, the walk on class that's leaving, um, you know, a couple of those, those veterans that were around for a long time, they're going to miss those guys. And they probably won't show up on, on Saturdays or anything like that. That, but they're going to miss uh, Will Nutson, uh, you know, the Blake Zalar, you know, these guys that have been around for a long, long time. Uh, I know I'm missing one off the top of my head tonight, and it's it's going to bother me, and I'll come back to it in a second. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, he's been he's been around for a long time. You can certainly take his experience if he wants to turn that into a coaching career, turn that into something. Um, he he wouldn't be the first guy to do. It. He's certainly not the only guy to do it from this uh, from this 2021 team as well, because uh, Vlad Hilling, the kicker, uh, is going to be a player assistant. In this, I believe the strength and conditioning aspect there. Um, so you, you've got some some special stories here, some guys sticking around the program, and I know there have been some questions about uh, culture and things like that. And this is a really good sign from that for, for that matter. 
like Saquon Barkley, Blake Zillar, former Rutgers commit who switched uh, his plans over to Penn State after putting out a track and field video uh, during his senior year, him running in the four by 100 relay as an offensive lineman. It turned some heads here in Happy Valley. It ultimately resulted in a preferred walk-on opportunity. By the way, just focusing on center since he will be focusing in on center. Um, Juice Scruggs is back. We saw him transition over to that role. We talked about Nick Dawkins pushing. Uh, and then it's kind of like who else at, at Garden Center? A lot to look at uh, there. Uh, Bryce Suffner has been mentioned on, on the practice field before is taking some snaps. But uh, guard, center, uh, Blake Zillar, part of the brain trust now with Phil Troutwine as they try to, to get this uh, group together uh, for spring ball. Sean, offensive line seems to pop up all the time. So let's put that one away for now. Uh, con congrats to Blake for the opportunity. Uh, Five-star mailbag is where we are headed for this uh, final few minutes of the podcast. Considering Penn State did not make a strong run at former commit Aishim Young in the portal from Iowa State, can you share your thoughts on the staff's pursuit of former pledges in the portal and the impact it might have on Nate Bruce's forthcoming junior college campaign? You really like this question. I think it's a really well laid out scenario, and it's one that I'd imagine coaching staffs across the country are facing right now. It, it, it's all over the place. Yeah, it really, it's a situation where, you know, you go through these recruitments and you build certain things. And and I think there's, it's going to be a case by case basis, because if you look back at Penn State's decommits, you know, some have gone well, some have not gone well. Um, and, and some of those relationships soured pretty quickly. Sheem Young is tough because that's a, that's a whole new can of worms to open. Rob Dewawa on camera. I mean, what do you, what do you, what are you going to do? Penn State can't take that kid. I mean, you can't, circle back around. And I know it really hurt them in Philly when they dropped him because, you know, circumstances are, you know, in the eye of the beholder there, but you, you can't take that kid again. Um, but I, I don't think they'd be against taking a guy that they had a decommitment from. Nate Bruce is a little bit different because he's going to be coming from Juco. Um, that's going to be different than your typical transfer. They've seen it in action. And I don't know that that's the best thing in the world because you, when, once you have a question about whether or not somebody actually loves football and, and can compete or is willing to compete at the level that Penn State is, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough first impression to get out of your head. And, and all credit to Nate Bruce for going back around and, and doing everything, but it's going to take more for Nate Bruce to convince Penn State staff that he's worth a scholarship to bring him back in. I think thought he was really talented, thought he was really, you know, big and strong and, and all these kind of great things. Um, you know, of course he was raw and, and it just didn't turn out. I mean, he only lasted a couple of days. Um, so it's going to take a while to get over that first impression. Um, but I mean, if you look at some of the other decommitments here in the last uh, few cycles, um, you've got guys um, like, I'm just going to throw Dante Thornton out here. And I don't think Dante Thornton's going to, you know, uh, I don't think he's going to leave Oregon or anything like that, but that's one where they built a relationship year after year after year, know his uncle really well, you know, know, know all these people around him. So it'd be one of those situations where I think they, you know, would be willing to try that. And, and it's not even just uh decommits. It's these guys that you've, you've fostered these long relationships with. I know, you know, we can talk over Julian Fleming all we want, but if Julian Fleming were to go in the portal, Penn State would have some serious conversations about that based on knowing him so well. And, you know, there, there are questions about guys in the portal that you've never gone. James Franklin said it in his press conference this week is there's a lack of uh, investigation going on, going behind the scenes to see what's going on and to see if if players have things that are under the, the you know, sort of under the table that, that you don't know about. So, 
if you're recruiting a guy like a Dante Thornton, if you're recruiting a guy like a Julian Fleming that you've known and, and you think you've pretty much you know, dissected all the warts and things like that, then, then you can make that move. And, and that's something that, you know, even though they weren't decommits or anything like that, that's something where they knew Arnold Evakiti, not tremendously well, but they knew him from his high school day. They knew Derek Tangelo. They had him on campus. You know, they had a bunch of those guys that they brought in last year on campus, uh, you know, John for better Dixon. or for worse. Yeah. 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 John Dixon came up for a visit. I mean, I think all of them, you know, at one point or another were, were in the mix or at least, probably the tape came across the desk or something like that. So um, I think it's uh, that that's a really interesting scenario. So I don't think they would um, shut out those guys just because they decommit. I mean, I, I don't think, I think probably fans will hold them uh, will be a little bit more sour about that situation, about a situation where a guy decommits or something like that than the staff will. But in the case of Nate Bruce, unless he kills it, it's going to be tough to see because they've, they've seen that up close and personal. Um, they love Nate Bruce. They wanted him to come back. They, you know, that's one reason the story took so long to get out. I mean, he left the team in the spring. It wasn't till the second summer semester that we reported on it because that door was open for him to come back because they think he has a ton of physical potential. But it's just going to take a lot to get over that hump of saying we've seen this guy in person. Does he love football enough to come in and and you know make it the priority that maybe he didn't make it the first time around? Another name that I thought of when I saw this question was Emery Simmons, who committed to UNC, committed to Penn State, signed with UNC, and is now a transfer at at Indiana uh, this offseason. Uh, when he had hit the portal late last year, yeah, I was like, okay, well, maybe just Penn State circle back to that. The, the thing is, and you kind of forget, well, they've had, what, three receivers coaches since Emory Simmons committed to them? you got to separate sometimes – the coaching staff that the player was committed to those years back versus the program that the player was committed to, because you see it on signing day, you see it in the transfer portal guys are following gravitating toward coaches more so often than they are to a logo or a campus. And I think that's particularly something to keep in mind here when we talk about uh, these older transfers as well. Um, Franklin made a great point. Like, if you're not doing your background homework, you may get a ticking time bomb on your campus in terms of no matter what you think of the player, if the person isn't the fit for you, it could be very detrimental. Um, and I think, though, some schools understand speed is the name of the game with the transfer portal. Sometimes you want to be at that front of that line. You want to be one of the first to have the conversation and, and, and get that done. And there's also the fact that, as we saw here at Penn State, Arnold Abakede, Derek Tangelo, these guys were not around very long. They were here in January and they were gone by December. And so it is a short-term, uh, it's a short-term agreement, I suppose, when you're, when you're bringing in the guy who's of a certain eligibility status and then has played enough college football where I guess programs are going to say, this ain't going to be built for the long haul. We want to win games this year. Yeah, there's some warts there, but if we look the other way, very productive at his last stop, we can make this work. And so right now, Penn State, Mitchell Tinsley, the one guy they have brought in to this point, and it sounds like they did a bunch of their homework on him. Um, but there's a lot that goes into here, and, and I don't think you can necessarily just connect the dots because of the past history with the recruiting department or with a recruiting past just because of the way coaching staffs. I mean, Franklin's here, but look at on down position coaches, coordinators, just how much looking back to when Aishim Young was committed for the 2018 class, there's not many guys left in the Lash building from when Aishim Young was up here for his recruiting visits. 
That's true. That's true. And and I think you almost I, and I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. Uh, any of these guys that we talked about, um, you know, they had a couple decommits in the last cycle. I mean, the only one I'm looking at, you know, holding stays is I think he's gonna be a really good player for Notre Dame. Right. And, and if you're a really good player for Notre Dame, you're probably not going to transfer, you know, looking for more exposure or anything like that. So I think that's a question. Um, so these decommits would almost almost have to be better. You know, you mentioned Emory Simmons. Emory Simmons hasn't really done anything at North Carolina. Right. So you know, you, you, you think you had an evaluation on him and, and it's easy to let that go. It's easy to let that evaluation go. So um, I think that's a very interesting question. I think it's, I think it's phrased fairly, fairly well. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nate Bruce is going to be an interesting case study. Cause I think he's almost got to be better, you know, than he was, uh, you know, than you thought he was as, as a prospect and they thought very highly of him, as I said. So um, that, that'll be an interesting one in two years or however long it takes him to, to go through Lackawanna, but he's going to get around Mark Duda. He's going to get around that, uh, that Lackawanna staff. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a situation where Juco life is hard. We talked to Tyrese Mills a little bit about this earlier. That's that's not for everybody. And and if you're going in uh, as Nate Bruce, if you're going into Penn State and that was not for you, Juco is going to be a lot harder because there's not, uh, you know, you don't have uh, the same facilities. You don't have the same meal plans. You don't have the same, you know, places to live and things like that. So it's it, it's really tough to uh, to turn that corner. And I hope he does. I, I really hope he does. I'm rooting for Nate. I hope he finds, uh, you know, what he's looking for. And, and, and he's got a second chance at Lackawanna and hopefully makes the most of it. Yeah, and he's he's gone on the record saying his mission is to is to basically win back Penn State and and hopefully probably get some other opportunities along the way. I know it wasn't just the Nittany Lions that were taken aback by by his decision and his swift departure. A lot of people who were part of his you know come up and 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 getting him to Penn State were shocked. And and I know he's been working on winning them back and 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 getting all those people uh, you know back on board with him. Um, if he loves you, football, you can, and truly, you can name drop. You can name drop Richard if you want. I know, <laughs> I know you know him pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, th that's that's one Rich Muldrow, the former former offensive line coach at Harrisburg, and, and was very influential in this process. And I think has been a really good guy in his corner uh, since that point. Um, Nate Bruce is going to have a ways to go to win back, uh, you know, the Penn State scholarship offer. But if he really does love football and this is what he wants, um, then 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 that's all that matters. You're not going to get through this JUCO life if that's not what you want. And and yeah, they'll figure I, that I out think, pretty fast. I think it's probably more instead of looking at that decommit list, look at that target list, look at the visit list uh, back from yes. you know 2020 or well, not 2020, I guess, but 2019 uh, guys, guys that in that bubble, up right? Teammates. Guys yeah. on the offer bubble, like like yeah, maybe didn't so. get an offer two or three years ago or four years ago, but in retrospect he would have been a nice fit on the team. And now you have an opportunity to bring him on board. Tangelo fits that. Arnold Ibikete fits that. And I think you go down that list. Um, but yeah, it's even, transfer portal is yeah. just taking over, man. <laughs> even guys, even guys that you were recruiting and you had offered, and there's so many freaking offers out there right now that, that there are guys that are, you know, you, you don't even think about when you talk about offered guys. Um, so you were in at some point and maybe you just decided you had other guys that you like better. You maybe get a second chance on them. So I think that's really um, probably where you're looking um, more so than the decommit list. Cause you know, there's, there's layers there that, that they got, nobody likes to be broken up with. That's for sure. Um, but there's, there, there's layers there to work with. 
Well, we appreciate Good the question. question. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can throw yours uh, up there on Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star rating and review, uh, throw your question our way about the Lions football, recruiting, what have you. We'll get to it here on a future episode of the podcast. Uh, and, of course, the transfer portal is where we're really going to shift our attention now in terms of this 2022 Penn State roster. The recruiting class is set. There's nine uh, players already enrolled on campus, eight of them freshmen. The other junior college transfer, J.B. Nelson. You've got the Western Kentucky transfer and, and Mitchell Tinsley on campus. Campus. We'll see what else you're working with. But right now, this is the spring roster. This is the 2022 roster. And the transfer portal is where you're going to find um, any additions moving forward. Uh, Sean, great stuff. Another another cycle in the books. You have covered many of them for the Penn State Nittany Lions. So I know when you see a surprise on signing day, it truly is a surprise. Uh, been great covering this class with you. Again, going all the way back to when Caden Saunders hopped, with us, hopped on with us on the podcast like uh, 24 hours after he committed a couple of Julys ago. And now here they are on campus getting underway with everything. On behalf of producer Lance Glenn, big thanks to Tyrese Mills for joining us. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.